You've probably noticed some changes on campus here in the past, past few weeks, and that is uh, with all the new fencing that has gone up. And not just along the street side, but you've noticed fences and gates now around the courtyard too. And the reason is security. We want to make sure that our, our kids are safe. Now, some people have asked, well, why have we made those changes? We haven't had any problems, and that's true. However, we know that times are changing, and the circumstances and situations of our neighborhood and our society have changed that we need to be a little more alert to security here at our school. But I'm sure that you're also aware of security changes that happen at our airports with all the long lines that you have to go through and the scanners and all that, and you know what, we're okay with it. Even though it takes a little bit longer and, and there's those inconveniences and costs, we know it's needed to be safe. In fact, we're also concerned about security in our homes. There are people who have alarm systems on our homes and, and we lock our doors and, and windows at night. In fact, that idea for security even stretches to the grocery store. Some of the products that you buy, right, they're sealed up, not just for freshness, but to keep you safe. Health. Health, safety, and security is a big deal. Yes, there's that Ebola concern that we're dealing with, but even before that, if you've gone into a hospital to visit somebody like I do, you, you walk down the halls of the hospital, and every so often they have these little hand sanitizer dispensers because they want you to keep from passing or getting germs. So we're concerned about security for our health as well. Well, long before airplane and airport security and burglar alarms and things like that, there was also a call for faith security. Today and, and next week's Sunday, we're going to be looking at the last two books of the Bible and what those writers were telling us. Today, we want to look at the little book of Jude. And he was talking about spiritual security. Let's take a look at how he starts out his letter. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. I don't know if you caught what he was saying there in that last sentence, but he said, I want to tell you about our wonderful salvation, but I feel compelled to change the topic. And he was compelled because he's writing by inspiration of God. God was changing his mind and he would pen a new message. A message, he said, that was urgent. I'm urging you, and that was a, a military word that says, I am extending out a call, a command for you to do something, to contend for your faith. Why the change? Because the time was urgent. And even though this was written like 2,000 years ago, 
The same call comes out to us because God preserved that letter for us today to read and follow its instruction. He urges us. It's a call. But as you look at the words that he chose when he's addressing this letter, we hear it as a call of passion, love, dedication, not just from Jude, but from God who's giving him these words. In these words, we see God's passion for us. When, when Jude started writing, he identified himself, and then he gave us a name too. He refers to himself as a servant and us as saints. And that's what we are, servants of God and saints. Now, when you hear the word servant, you might think, well, okay, that's a person who's hired and they have to do some menial work and it's probably hard work and not a pleasant life. The word that he actually uses is bond servant. He was referring to that relationship that he had with God that he had been redeemed, he had been purchased out of slavery. Not from the slave market, but slavery to sin, slavery to death, slavery to the devil. He had been purchased, redeemed by God himself, by God's Son who came and gave his own life as a ransom to save him. And that's what we are too. Bond the servants, people who've been redeemed from that slavery by the blood of Jesus. And that, he says, makes us saints. God's holy people is the word. Now, when he was saying that, he wasn't saying, I see how you live, and you live pretty decent lives. You're like holy people. That's not what he meant. The word holy or saint, as we translate, simply means somebody who's been set apart. God not only redeemed us, but he took us out of that world of sin and unbelief and set us apart for him. That's showing us as God's passion for us. His love, his dedication to make us his. What Jude is reminding us of is that in Jesus, we are safe and secure. He said, I want to write to you about your salvation how you've been made safe, how you've been saved, how you've been rescued from that damnation, all through Jesus. And he said, I know that you are kept by God. And that word kept means he's watching over you very carefully and keeping you safe. That's God's passion, to save us and to keep us safe and secure, all in Jesus. Now, I know that we often like to talk about how wonderful the Christian life is, and it is. We like to hear about the blessings and the joys that we have as, as God's people. But Jude wants to remind us that this isn't just a playground. The Christian life isn't all just about, look at all these wonderful blessings that we have, but it's also a battleground. And so he says, I need to tell you that you are in a struggle for your faith, a battle. Now, the word that he uses for struggle or contend in the Greek is a word that sounds like our English word agonize. And with that word agonize, he's telling us there is a fight, there is a struggle there. 
It was a word used to describe an athletic contest where the athlete has to really strain all of his muscles, pour all of his energy and dedication into crossing that finish line. Not so that he can brag, hey, I'm first, I did better than everybody else, but so that he can say, I've come out of the battle and I've won the victory. What he's telling us is we are in a battle and we need to use every muscle and all of our energy to cross that finish line, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. When we reflect on these words, we realize just how precious our salvation is. Look at what God has done to make us his own. And we know that it's precious because the cost of it was God's own son. Nothing else could redeem us. Not our works, not our good character, not any wealth that we have, only the blood of Jesus. That is so precious that we want to make sure that our children have it and so we baptize them, that our children grow up knowing it so we give them God's word in, in Sunday school and our Christian school. But let me ask you this question. How valuable is your faith to you. We know how precious we are to God because we see what God has done, but how valuable is that faith you have, that trust that holds on to that? Jesus asked the question of his disciples, what will a person profit if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? We look around our world and we see the threats that exist to us physically, whether it's a concern of violence or theft. We, we see the concern for protecting ourselves and health. Do we see the concern for our spiritual life, for our faith? And what are we doing about it? Well, Jude goes on to let us know just how serious the situation is. And he's telling us we need to safeguard our faith. So as we read on now, he shows us the threats that exist to our faith. Here's what he says. For, and that other word is for, it is important because it's telling us because. I'm telling you to fight for your faith because certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. The threat to our faith is coming from people. People who, he says, on the outside, they look godly, they sound fine, they sound thrilling and exciting, but they're ungodly. He describes how the relationship came about. He says, they simply slip in next to you. Like somebody just slipped in and sat next to you this morning. I, I think you can trust everybody here, though. <laughs> they just come right up to you and make themselves at home, and, and they're nice people, and it looks just fine. But he says, look under the surface. He says, these people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. 
In other words, they make themselves look like they're one of you. Now, he used the word blemish, and I don't think that's a good translation of what the original Greek word said. Because when we think of a blemish, we think of like a little a pimple or something on our skin. And, well, I'll just take a little makeup, you know, and cover it over. I don't use makeup. But some people, you know, they put stuff, they put stuff on there, you know. I look good. A little blemish. We all got little blemishes. No big deal, right? But the word meant something dangerous under the surface. It was referring to like a rock in the ocean or in the harbor that a ship doesn't see and could easily hit and be destroyed. That's what he's saying here. Look under the surface. Look what's really going on. They are shepherds who feed only themselves. They have their own message, their own agenda, their own goals. They're self-centered and selfish. He said they're like clouds without rain blown along by the wind. Well, if you want to ask people what clouds without rain are like, just ask Californians, right? You hear the weather forecast, oh, it's going to rain, and you see the clouds, and then nothing happens, okay? That's exactly what these people are. They, they, they look like they're promising in what they say and what they offer, but it's deceptive. There's nothing there. They're like autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. Referring back to the words of Jesus who said, Bad trees produce bad fruit. By their fruit, you will know them. It says, these people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves. They flatter others for their own advantage. Look at the threats. It comes from people. He said, they take the grace of God and they turn it into permission to sin. Well, you know, God forgives you, and, and maybe you're made that way, and everybody else is doing it, nothing's bad that happened to them, so you see it's all okay, so don't worry about what you do. Turning grace into permission to sin. Then they go on and deny the deity of Christ. Well, he was a good teacher, he was a good man, live like him. But they deny that he was the Christ, the one who came to die to take away our sins. He said they're like wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame. You ever go to the ocean, right? And the waves, they turn up, and, and what do they turn up? Seaweed and all the sand and all that stuff, right? He said that's what these people are like. All they turn out is just immorality. They're like wandering stars, not the fixed planets, but just like meteors that come and go with a flash and burn out, for whom their darkest, the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. They promote immorality. Yet these people slander, he said, whatever they don't understand. They take the clear word of God, and because they don't understand it or they don't like it, they don't agree with it, then they simply deny it, twist it. Now take a look at that list. That's the threat watch. That's what's going around. We don't have time today to give you, so I can give you examples of how that's there. Maybe you don't need the examples. Maybe you can see it for yourself. But look at that list of threats. You know, if you go back uh, a few weeks ago, we were all, you know, a little worried about this Ebola concern, right? And what the outcome could be. Well, Jude goes on to tell us, look at what the outcome is of these threats. 
we might see the people, well, they're nice people, or, you know, they've made their choice. They just believe a little differently than we do. But he said, look at the outcome. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. Selfish. Selfish. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They've been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. They're twice dead, for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, who was in the seventh generation from Adam, even prophesied about them. He said, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones, angels, to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they've committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Doesn't sound too good, does it? We were all concerned a few weeks ago, maybe, about that Ebola threat. And then steps were taken to protect us. We have seen what's happened when terrorists get on airplanes. And steps have been taken to prevent it. We know what can happen if food gets contaminated. So now they have this terrible seal on my peanut butter jars that I have to try to break open in the morning so I can make PB&J sandwiches. We see the dangers around us and we take steps to prevent it. Now, I haven't seen hell, and I don't believe people who write books that say, I spent 23 minutes in hell. I don't believe that. But I believe what God says about it because God doesn't lie. And God tells the truth. God is a just God, and he will punish sin and unbelief. There's the outcome. There's the fate. We've seen the threats. We know what the outcome is. Are we concerned about it? To put it more bluntly, what side are you on? Standing before God. What side will you be on before him? What about your kids? What side will they be on? What about your friends, your coworkers, people in the community, people on the other side of the world we don't know about but we should care about? What side will they be on? The threats around us are real. And we take steps to try to protect ourselves from the physical threats, but what are we doing with the spiritual threats? We've seen what God has said about it. Now, maybe we don't feel it's a threat. Maybe we don't see the threat. Or maybe we feel we're strong enough to handle it. But then you know what happens? We start to get attracted to other things, and we slip in alongside of them. I say, I can handle it. I know. And it's my opportunity to witness to others. But then we don't, and we let our guard down, and we're in trouble. Jude is telling us, safeguard your faith. We're all told, you know, here are the steps that are being taken to prevent our country from the Ebola virus. And we know all the steps that are taken to protect us on airplanes. Are there steps that can be taken to prevent us against these spiritual threats? Yes. Just as real as the threats are, so real and sure is the protection plan that God offers us. And Jude sounds the call. He lays down the harp and he blows the trumpet to call us to persevere in the faith. And it's a pretty simple plan. Just have to remember ABC. 
The A, be alert. He says, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. The apostles, those guys that Jesus trained, those guys that Jesus told us he will speak through and he has given us his message through them. They've told us about our wonderful Lord. They've told us about his life, how he lived without sin in our behalf, how he laid down his life on the cross under God's wrath in our behalf, how he came again alive from the dead for us to assure us of our salvation. These are also the guys who have foretold us of the coming dangers. He said, I have to go back, I flipped too many here. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and who do not have the spirit. They're telling us to be alert, to watch out for what they say. The B in God's protection plan is to build yourselves up. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now, we all know that you can't build a house in a day. Nor would you consider it a house if somebody just handed you uh, 14 bricks or 14 pieces of wood and said, there, build yourself a little shelter. Let's not consider ourselves to be built up in our faith because we've attended 14 weeks of a Bible information class. That's not enough. Likewise, we know that houses, once they're built, they need continuous care and maintenance. Same is true with our faith. That's why you come to church, because you want to be built up in your faith. And even if you have a strong wall of protection, you still need to be alert. A strong wall of protection. Think, for example, of the Great Wall of China, right? Wow, what a protective system they had. Did you know that there were three times that that wall was broken through and invaded? And you know why? Because the guards let their guard down. Because they were tricked. They were deceived. And so even though you've maybe been a Christian all your life and strong in your faith, that's great. But don't let your guard down. Keep building yourself up. And for that, he said, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray not that your will be done in heaven, but that God's will be done on earth. Pray that God keep you firm and safe in the love of Christ, because that's what saves. So, A, be alert. B, build yourselves up. C, be concerned for others. Here's what he says. Be merciful to those who doubt. We all can have doubts. We can all have questions, some fears, some worries. Be merciful. That is, encourage in the faith. Pray for one another. God has put us together for a reason. Not that we cross the finish line alone, but that we do it together. We are here to encourage each other in the faith. And so what we do, the decisions we make, we got to think not only what is this for me, but what is it for somebody else? And what can I do to help somebody else in their faith? 
Then he says, save others by snatching them from the fire. Recognize the the danger that they are going into. Those threats are all real to them too. Snatch them from that fire. And to others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. What he's talking about is, be concerned about those who are living outside of the will of God, but be careful that you yourself don't get caught up in that. And thus you too get burned. Hate the sin, but love that sinner. Do you have a personal security plan? You know what the plan is when you go to the airport. You probably have a plan to keep your home safe. Do you have one regarding your spiritual life? Make one. And stick to it. But also recognize this, that it's oftentimes not one big event, some explosion that knocks you out of your salvation. Usually it happens through erosion, the little wearing away at your faith. Do you see spiritual erosion in your life or in the life of others? Shore up your faith, make it strong. So set a plan and work that plan. And then know that God is going to go to work. You have his word and his power working to protect you. And when you experience that, when you see that in your life, you're going to answer this third call that Jude gives us, a call to praise God, the God who protects us. He says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That's the goal. And God can accomplish that. Stay in the security zone that God gives you, his grace in Christ. Don't let anyone take that away from you so that you can be presented before God without fault and with great joy. Isn't that what we desire? Isn't that the greatest thing to receive? And when you receive it, you will be moved to praise him, as Jude says. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Let it be. So a final message in the scriptures about security, spiritual security. It's really pretty simple. It's grace in Christ. But fight for that. Because some miss it. Some lose it. The devil is out to take it away from us. Fight for your faith. Amen.